Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure that you knew that my online knee course with Lenny Macrina is on sale for $200 off this week. If you want to learn exactly how to evaluate and treat the knee, you're going to love our comprehensive course where we cover our clinical examination, exercise progressions, and specific information on ACL, meniscus, patellofemoral, articular cartilage, osteoarthritis, and so much more. Plus, you can earn a ton of CEU credit. The course is on sale this week for $200 off. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about stretching when you're out of alignment. We talk about feet strengthening and the importance of it. And we talk about what to do with chronic loss of knee extension after ACL surgery. The Ask Mike Reinhold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reinhold Show. We're up in Boston, Massachusetts, at Champion Physical Therapy and Performance. I don't know why I think champion. Is there another Boston? I say champion. Champ. There's definitely more Bostons. Yeah. Really? There's, yeah. there's tons of Bostons. Boston, Virginia. How Boston, many Bostons can you name quick? Boston, Mass. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely more Bostons. There's got to be one like in, 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 like in North Carolina. That's, that's a classic Bostonian this, view of Boston. Yeah. Be more of the world. Yeah. There's got to be one. There's only one Boston. There's only one Boston. If you're from Boston, send a hashtag to Dave on Twitter saying there are other hashtag there are other Bostons. Boston, Italy. Find Zach a job. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, everybody. We're here. Well, all right, you know who everybody is. Let's ask some questions. Let's get into it today. Zach, tally ho, what do we got? All right, Brian from Baltimore. Many people have told me that they started to work hip stretches and even hip capsular stretches to increase their hip flexion. One could argue that you actually wouldn't want to do this. If you don't improve your pelvic tilt first, then you may actually be overstretching your muscles and joint. Uh, who's this? Uh, Brian from Baltimore. Brian from Baltimore. Love it. Definitely a statement versus a question. But I like that. I don't think there was a question mark at the end of that. But maybe we can discuss a little bit there. I like that. So there's um, so Brian states that uh, many people are stretching muscles and capsules, and that perhaps we should be working on alignment. What do you guys think beforehand? So I study a lot of <laughs> agreed. All right, that's good. <laughs> I've studied some of the surgical research on hips because I treat a lot of like younger athletes with hip issues. And I think the biggest simplistic thing I would say is that you have to remember there are multiple layers to the hip. It's much more complicated than the shoulder, I feel. So there's a lot of reasons why somebody doesn't have hip flexion or hip internal rotation from a <laughs> from a bony level to like a ligament level to like a femoral version level. Like there's a lot of stuff that could go wrong. So I think we see a lot of people who just like YouTube the best hip flexion stretch and blow themselves up, unfortunately, because they don't realize there's a lot of different factors. So assessment first before you start going willy-nilly. That's a good point. Assess, I just want to say willy-nilly. Assess why you may have loss of motion is even probably more important. You know, everybody wants to find a self-corrective and everybody's stretching the crap out of everything, it seems like, yeah. with bands and other crazy stuff. You have a huge anti-version. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you have an anatomical limitation, that's not going to go well. So I think yeah. we'd agree with that. I think I sent an uh, article over Dave the other day that was talking about cam deformity. So if you go into deep flexion with the cam deformity, the cam could be hitting the um, acetabular lip and then pushing posteriorly. Um, and then people that had uh, radiographic FAI also correlated with more instability of the hip too. So if you think about it from that perspective, if you think there is some morphology going on, then maybe stretching is something that you have to be even more careful about, right, if you're limited. 
Right. So it sounds like we all agree that you probably should assess. Um, and I think you could play off the alignment concept mm-hmm. with that well too, right? Like so somebody with a cam lesion in the hip, for example, again, you could, we could we could chuck that into the, the bucket of alignment to an extent saying that they have an anatomical limit, limitation into that specific direction pattern. So you may have to assure that you have good pelvic alignment in there. I think everybody would agree with that, right? We talk about that a lot when you have pelvic obliquity between two sides, you know, that, you know, you may assume that a hamstring is, is at a, a, a different uh, flexibility where it's actually just probably in a different position. So I think we would agree with that as well. So, you know, we always, we always say with the, the whole mobility, you know, or stability, what comes first, we always say alignment. You know, neither, right? We always say alignments first. So I think we'd agree with you. So good statement, Brian. We appreciate that. I think we all agree with your statement. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no, I thought that was worth sharing, though, because I think it's a good point that we all make. Assess, align, then you work on your mobility. I think that's kind of the, the big chunks of that information. Get out of a billboard somewhere. Right. I like it. It's a good billboard. I like that. In PT land. <laughs> that's what exists. What's up, Logan? What's next? All right, we got Matt from Ottawa, Canada. What exercises and muscles do you recommend to someone to have the strongest feet and ankles possible? Love it. I like flexor halgus brevis. It's my favorite muscle. <laughs> <laughs> what muscle? Well, what, what exercise do you guys do? What do you guys think? Do you guys ever focus on strengthening feet? Yeah. I think that's a good one. Why? Why do you focus on strengthening feet? So, similar with someone who has dynamic or passive stability imbalances, if someone is master limited dorsiflexion they can really stretch out their medial arch and get a lot of laxity that way so i think dynamic stability of the foot is super important if someone's had a lot of pronation in their sport or life sometimes restoring that after you fix some ankle stuff is very helpful so like it wow. i mean there's a variety of we different weren't, we, we weren't used to this so brief of a response yeah. I was like, that was awesome <laughs> that was good oh <laughs> I guess it really depends, right? It's, it's, that's such a general question. Is it important to strengthen? Yeah, it's important to strengthen. There's, there's a lot of different things that are important. Um, I, I find myself doing lots of different types of calf raises. Um, I like to do calf raises with an eccentric. Um, I like to, again, it really depends on the pathology. I have something like a tendinopathy problem that needs to get back to, like, let's say, some sort of field sport, then I'm probably going to be giving them some sort of concentric, some sort of eccentric, because those are kind of blanket good for the type of condition. But then I want to start giving them things like jumping, bounding, sled pushing, because foot has to act like a, a strong, stiff lever in order to sprint, run, change direction, whatever it is. Um, the other thing I like a lot for strengthening, um, and this is it's my own personal anecdote, I don't have any research to support this, is that I like to try to strengthen peroneals, tibia anterior a little bit more. Um, I feel like when people come out of some sort of uh, – chronic ankle instability or they've had some sort of uh, surgery um, to the foot or ankle, a lot of times we don't have very good exercises in order to strengthen that. So one of the things I like to do is go off a step and have your heel touching and then point your toes down and then you don't control the motion of active dorsiflexion. I don't see a lot of that in most rehab programs, um, and I think it's still probably a good component because the peroneals are very important, obviously, for lateral ankle stability, and I feel like we don't have a lot of good exercises for that. So. Um, yeah. One of my fades. Those make sense. I'm yeah. just a weight bearing kind of guy. So the stuff that you alluded to is just anything in weight bearing. You know, you're gonna get the foot, the intrinsics, especially on like an unstable surface or like a foam surface. I like to do a lot of stuff that way. A lot of upper extremity movement type stuff while they have to stabilize with their lower extremity. Um, it just people just feel their foot and, and calf just burning up if you keep them there for a prolonged period of time. So that's kind of one of my little easy ones, but works for me. Makes sense. Yeah. I I mean. I would say an analogy I would use, right, is if you ever had an athlete come try to work with you and they have to do some, like, running and agility-type work and they're wearing Nike Freeze, 
right? Not to pinpoint Nike. I guess every every company minimalist? actually has like a fake, not, not even necessarily minimalist, but I was talking about like lack of support, how a Nike free just has like no support in it right there. And you actually watch them try to do some of their dynamic activities and you can see that their foot is sliding all over the place. So let me ask you a question. In any motion, if you have an unstable surface for your foot, do you think you can maximize power up? Do you think you can maximize the amount of force you can develop in there? So I think the Nike Freeze are a good example. Now imagine, probably at a much lesser extent, but imagine you don't have good strength or stability of your foot, right? And I think that that is a good reason to do it. So I would say just to add to that, I would say I, I like some aspects of barefoot in my program because I think that helps with foot intrinsics and just general overall strength. For me personally, I tend to, for myself as well as when I program type things, I tend to keep barefoot stuff throughout the beginning of a program. So like, you know, your dynamic warm-up, your ramp. I actually like doing that barefoot or in minimalist shoes, whatever it may be, but, you know, like doing that barefoot so we actually get some of that contact with the ground and some of the foot intrinsics. I'm not going to go do everything. I'm not going to go for a run barefoot, you know, but I think doing the warm-up and dynamic activities at the beginning is a good way to do that. And then from there balance right foam you know like lenny said like that just you know foam like like support things i i think that's the way to kind of get some intrinsic foot strength and dynamic stability and then you hit the isolated stuff like everybody does i guess guess that's how i would put it together um you know for me personally but tilly does shoes off and shirts off his own shirt so way to get the foot plowed up. <laughs> Just for your own training, you know, right? <laughs> That's a rule of champion. We'll do that. That's the smartest thing I can think of. What's up, Zach? What's next? Uh, Savannah from Texas. I have a patient about 16 weeks status post ACL surgery with lateral meniscus repair. He became my patient about three weeks ago and was missing three to four degrees extension from neutral. He is able to get there but cannot maintain it after this session. Do you have any tips or tricks to gain this range of motion back, or at this point, is it going to be nearly impossible to get it? Send them back to the surgeon. Prone, hangs, prone, <laughs> hangs. So at 16 weeks, there, there's probably some literature on this, right, Len? I think you know. 16 weeks, still chronic tightness, doesn't have full extension after ACL. If they're warning. lacking like zero degrees, I think that you mentioned that they're lacking neutral yes, by so three or four degrees. Three or four, yeah. yeah. At 16 weeks out, honestly, yeah, I would uh, have a community. I would have a talk with the surgeon and figure out like <laughs> what he or she thinks because it sounds like there might be a cyclops lesion uh, present in the joint line. I've seen it a ton. Unfortunately, other therapists and myself that you just you you work on it, you get it for a short period of time. They come back a day or two later and they're back losing extension. I'd say greater than 50 percent of the time, probably greater than 75 percent of the time, they have a cyclops lesion. They need a second surgery, but. You can continue to work on like supine, like low, low, long duration stretching. They got to be doing for an hour at a time or hour during the day. So four, 15 minute bouts is what we usually, I usually recommend. Um, if they've done that and they're still coming back, losing extension, I'm probably going to recommend sending them back to the surgeon and probably get an MRI. Probably start that process now. Yeah, I would start it, yeah. You know, just at least get it back in with the doc to say, hey, we're getting it, but it's not maintaining, you know, just, just for a consult. It sounds like if it is a cyclops lesion, there's not much you can do about it, obviously. Right. So you probably want to want to work towards that. But usually, for me, when when people aren't sticking, is they're just not doing their homework. Yeah. They're not doing it enough at home. You know. So this is the type of thing. It's it's gonna be now or never, and it might already be never, right? But um, but they need to start probably working uh, the frequency a little bit. Thanks, son. Got one more. That's it. Wow, man, we're flying through all this. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Good questions again. We actually we worked the word Cyclops into this episode. X-Men. Right? I didn't think that was going to happen. That was good. 
we should come up with like our own Easter eggs, like like little words that we try to put into the shimmy. episode. Shimmy, 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 shimmy word of the day. You're gonna sh- Batman gonna shimmy voices. closer. Cyclops <laughs> Legion. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. Head to MikeRound.com. Click on that podcast link, and you can ask us some questions. Ask us anything about Dave's uh, poor Batman impersonation. Send it. <laughs> <laughs> That was Batman? For both. <laughs> Send it. Send it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so ba- ba- like we have the Batman episode. I like that. We have to we have to speak in Marvel can characters. You do the next question in a Batman voice? I can try. <laughs> <laughs> oh Logan. <laughs> awesome guys. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.